where it's at. I got two Dan tables and a microphone. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Where It's At. I am your host, Mark Pearson, and this is my co-host, Dan, Dan Hornstein. Hornstein. Yes. We said it at the same time. We did. Jinx. Jinx. <laughs> Naomi Coke. I can do that. Uh, if you haven't heard us before, this podcast is a music-based podcast for anyone who enjoys music. And if you don't like music, you have no soul, please find something else to listen to. <laughs> and, they do. Uh, it's, it's like audiobooks. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> uh, with bad narration. Yeah. <laughs> On this podcast, Dan and I each pick an album for the week. We listen to it, and then we come together and give a brief bio of the artist and then discuss why we picked him and then have a conversation about it. And real quick, before we get into things, you can find us on Instagram, you can find me at Mr. Underscore Pockets 21, and you can find Dan at Dwight Privilege. And you can send us an email at wherepod at gmail.com. So that brings us into this week's Sniggles, or that's what we call singles. So, Dan, you picked. I picked the new single from St. Vincent. Mm-hmm. It's called Pay Your Way in Pain. St. Vincent is a is such a cool artist to me. She is multi-instrumentalist, multi-talented, uh, dabbles in many different genres. I've been a fan of hers now for a number of years. Not as early as other fans have. I was a little bit late to the game, but once I got into her, I immediately went into her back catalog and just absolutely loved it. She was a member of the Polyphonic Spree if you remember that band, that was the they. It was like thirty people, and they all wore cult robes and sang kind of joyous, folky indie rock sounding stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, out of thirty people, she stood out, <laughs> and that's that's how you know she's good. Yeah. So, uh, so Saint Vincent, super cool artist. She does a lot of guitar driven stuff. She does a lot of electronic stuff. She did a really terrific album with. David Byrne from the Talking Heads. I'm a big Talking Heads fan, and that one's a really great record that I was listening to not too long ago. So when she announced she was coming out with a new album, Pay Your Way in Pain was the first released single from that album. And my God, is this funky. Yes. (laughs) This is such a cool record. It's It reminds me of 80s, early 80s David Bowie. Ooh, I didn't make that connection, but I can see why you say that. Specifically one song, Fame. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's in a little bit of how she delivers the the chorus where she, you've got to pay, and it's, you could just substitute fame. (laughs) And um, my God, it's just, it's, uh, this is such a funky song. There's a lot of layers to it. It's got hints of parliament in it, which I really liked. Um... I, uh, the vocally, she does a lot of layers. There's, so there's, there's a lot of different things going on. She'll layer her vocals. She'll have kind of a call and response, a couple of things. There's a lot of different instrumentation in there with some really funky keyboard and synth going on. Then there's some guitar and there's some other things going. Um, this is just this, I had so much fun with this song and what's really interesting. I read an interview with her about the new record that hasn't been released yet where she said, Originally, I set out and my plan was to make a very heavy, dark record Uh in the style of like Tool. Uh But 
I started writing this other stuff and it had to do with her. The record's going to be called daddy's home. And it's because her father was incarcerated and was recently released from prison. Uh And she's, I think she's reconnecting with him. So there's a little bit of a cool story there. And the, it had this big impact on how she wrote and recorded the record, which I thought was kind of interesting. So I, I mean, I, man, I just had so much fun listening to this song. It's, it's got everything that I love about, pop funk music in it mm-hmm. just kind of rolled up into one a sick beat tons of fun uh the lyrics are are just bizarre there's yep. one of the things i always <laughs> liked about uh about like parliament and and david bowie when he did stuff with neil rogers is they were able to take something and take it slightly off center and this has that slight off-center thing yeah. to it where it feels traditional, but there's some little things in there that are, that's the parts that I get the parliament hints from. And I'm like, that's just, ooh, where'd you think of that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I could go on all day about this because I really enjoyed the record. I'm really looking forward to the song. I'm going to give this one four and a half beards as a okay. rating. Okay. Uh, I thought it was very weird, but very catchy at the same time. And her vocals, I just loved her vocals. The music, after a few listen-throughs, not my favorite, but I still like appreciated it and got into it. So I gave it three and a half beards. Okay. It's definitely definitely above average, but I do want to check out this new album when it comes out because I, I like the direction that she's going in and her vocals are just, they, they stand out. They really do stand out. And Are you was, familiar with any of her previous stuff? No, I never heard okay. of her before. So this was a brand new, you know, dive into a new artist for me. And I was like, okay, I want to hear some more of her stuff. I want to hear some of the new stuff. Cause I think there's some stuff in there that I'm going to enjoy. Heck yeah. So I went just straight French disco this week. And for my single, I picked <laughs> Night Dive by Fred Falk, Zen Freeman and Ampersounds. And a, uh, it's just a straight up like Euro dance track. Uh, Is it Night Dive just, or Night Drive? Night Drive. Okay. And I just like, it was one of those, like, if you like this, you'll, you know, you might like this, you know, suggestions on Apple Music. And I was like, you know, I had just been looking through a bunch of stuff. I was looking for new electronic music and this came on and I was like, oh, I actually, this is actually kind of fun. It reminded me of like some some like dance u- music you would hear out of the UK maybe like 15 years ago. So it had this like little bit of nostalgia to like, cause I used to stuff like, wow, what was, there was an artist. I can't remember the name of him now. Mm, it wasn't Basement Jacks. It was another artist like that from back in like 2004, 2005. They have like a similar kind of like sound to it. But Fred Falk, the guy, one of the guys who produced this, he's produced with like almost everybody in like the electronic or dance music scene. He's just behind the scenes guy. He's done a lot of stuff. He's done some stuff himself too, but he's worked with a lot of other really popular artists. So I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And it's just a fun song about, you know, going on a night drive. It's got like motorcycle race car sounds in the back, which is kind of interesting for me. It's just, it's for me, it's just super infectious. I listened to it on repeat for just hours and hours and hours. I was like, so I gave it four and a half beards. Uh, I for just like a one shot song, I was like, that's pretty good because sometimes you get an electronic single, and I'm just like, what were you thinking? (laughs) 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 So I know it might not be everybody's flavor because it's really got a lot of like disco to it, but man, it's fun. It's just a fun, catchy song. The disco thing is interesting to hear you say that because I, I, 
didn't feel it was very disco. I felt it was very synth wave. Okay, I can see why. I think maybe that's a better description. With the kind of 80s keyboards and stuff, I a lot of times when I'm at work and I want to have something on in the background, there's a couple of YouTube channels. Mm-hmm. There's a chill wave channel, which is a lot of fun. And then there's one for synth wave music that's very 80s inspired. Mm-hmm. And I felt this one just dropped right into there. And I wrote, I wrote down, yep, this sounds like a night drive. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it really does. You know, and so it's the chicken or the egg thing. What came first? Did you set out to write a song that sounded like a night drive or did you write the song and you're like, wow, this sounds like driving at night. Yeah. What am I going to call this thing? Yeah. Um, I really, I dug the synthwave influence vocally. So this is what's funny is because I listened to the St. Vincent track and St. Vincent's music reminded me a lot of David Bowie. Mm -hmm. Vocally, this one, the singer sounds a little bit like David Bowie to me, but right. musically it doesn't sound like it. Right. No, so it's almost all. like if it were, they got David Bowie to just do the singing on it. His, the, the temp, the sound of his voice, the timbre of his voice has a little bit of a David Bowie vibe to it. Um, it does have a little bit of porno. Yes. <laughs> Maybe that's where I'm getting the like disco. That thing. might be the disco. It feels a little <laughs> bit like porno music, um, yeah. but like good porno music, right? Like, <laughs> Good. Like, I'll, like I'll keep watching after I finish, just because the track is strong. Just for the just for the sound. Just because I'm, like, just, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. You turn your screen down, but you just turn the speakers up. Speakers up. Uh, <laughs> Apple Music and Spotify needs to start carrying the scores to porno movies. <laughs> A whole new genre right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. What, are you, what are you listening to? Hans Hans Zimmer? No, it's Zans Hummer. Yeah. <laughs> That's dumb. So uh I liked it though. I liked the song and mm-hmm. I ended up it's funny, you gave I gave St. Vincent four and a half beards, you gave this four and a half beards, uh-huh. you gave St. Vincent three and a half beards, I gave this one three and a half. Three and beards. a half. <laughs> okay. So it there's a balance there where where I feel like um uh, you know, it, it, it's a little bit of like Kylo Ren and and your Ray or vice versa. I'm Kylo right. Ren because he's cooler. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like the song. I'm not going to it's not one that I'm going to uh, take out of rotation immediately just because I do like synthwave music mm-hmm. and I like having that on. Yeah. So now it's time to get into the albums and the artists. Uh, what did you pick this week, Dan? You go first. Awesome. This week I picked the new album by Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. Mm-hmm. It's called Carnage. Let me give you a little bit of backstory here. So Nick Nick Cave has uh, is an artist who has really just been around for a number of years. Um, he's he was in a band called the birthday party in like the late seventies and early eighties. That was a very punk band. He started his most popular band or most well-known band, the bad seeds in 1983. And they've released, I mean, dozens of records and around the late, the mid 2010s or early 2010s, Nick cave, who is, has a very distinct style of music partners with Warren Ellis, who is a violinist by trade, but also multi-instrumentalist. And they start writing songs together and it becomes this really lockstep style of writing where they just become co-collaborators. Another example of that, my, one of my favorite artists, Trent Reznor, 
since he's been working with Atticus Ross, it is now Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. It's mm-hmm. not one or the other. Right. So Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, Warren Ellis joins the Bad Seeds, becomes a primary songwriter for Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. They go off and they start doing movie scores together and do a lot of really just fantastic work in movies for um, sort of modern, the, the neo-Western genre is their big target, mm-hmm. but they've done other things too. They did the score for the road. They did the score for, uh, as far as new Westerns, there's the assassination of Jesse James by the coward, Robert Ford, which is a terrific movie that no one saw. Mm-hmm. I love the music for that movie. It was one of the first things that stood out for me. They've done, um, the proposition. They did a movie called lawless with Tom Hardy. That's kind of a, um, about a bootlegging in the prohibition era. So they're doing these film scores and I think their influence in the film score part of it started to transfer in or what they were doing in, in film score started to transfer over into Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds because as far as two or three albums ago, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds started to see a little bit of a tone shift in their songwriting. Mm -hmm. They went from being very blues heavy and folk heavy and, with hints of punk and and rock in there into a little more ambient, a little more spacious and a little more, uh, introspective with a lot of their music, you know? So, so for example, if you compare a really popular Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds record, like murder ballads, which Mm -hmm. is very story driven lyrically to their last three records, one being Skeleton Key, the follow-up being Ghostine, and then this most recent one, Carnage, there's a huge contrast. So you can see the evolution of their music, and I really like the direction that they are headed. I don't know why this isn't a Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds record, Carnage. I don't Uh know um, why they decided to make it more just Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. Uh, their Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, their their last two records that I referenced that are a little more ambient and introspective. My gosh, they have such a special place for me. Um, specifically, the the most recent one before Carnage, it's called Ghost Teen or Ghost Teen. It's all one word. <clears throat> that is a double record, and it's the most tragic. Excuse me. <clears throat> it's the most tragic sounding music I've ever heard because it's written from uh, a very personal place for Nick Cave. I think his son died. I don't know if it was a suicide or if it was from another other causes, but he wrote this mm-hmm. whole song and it's ghosting. And there's, it's written from two different perspectives. There's the perspective of the parent. And he also writes from the perspective of the kid. Oh. And on a personal note for me, when that record came out, I had just lost a family member mm-hmm. and man, it just, uh, you know, musically it just hits and it it matches the feeling of grief and loss so well. Uh, it's very synth heavy too. It's a, it's a bizarre, they pick some bizarre tones for ghost teen. So coming out of ghost teen and into carnage with this record, there's a little bit of carryover Mm -hmm. from that style into this there. I'm happy to say moving into carnage, there is another step forward in the sound. It doesn't sound like ghosting, you can tell it's it's a progression from it, and that they they they're following from the path, and they're it's it's a step forward, and it's not a, a lateral move or anything like that. And man, I just I'm be honest, Mark, I I loved this fucking record. I think this was just so much fun to listen to. 
sometimes there's music that I have to be in a mood to uh-huh. hear. This put me in a put mood. You in that mood? Mm-hmm. And that's so rare. And I, I really liked how I, once I was listening to it, how I was able to kind of sit and be in that space. Um, this is a kind of a, it's, it's not a very long record. It's about 40 minutes. It's eight songs. Um, and why they chose carnage for the title. I don't, I'm, I'm still, I'm still having fun and trying to picture, I'm trying to point that together. It's, it feels like a record that deals with, again, themes of loss and grief. Mm -hmm. And my God, Nick Cave as a vocalist, Nobody compares, nobody conveys pain and loss and grief as well as this guy does. His voice just sounds broken in so many areas on this record. And it really almost brings me to tears on more than one Mm -hmm. occasion. Um, Yeah, I could first listen through. I really felt that you could like, I don't know. any. I didn't know anything about him. Never heard him. Oh, really? And the first, the first song comes on. I mean, and I was just like, whoa. I was like, there is something behind this voice. It was it was instantly noticeable. And yeah. so I was like, whoa. I was like, what's what's going on? Like, what's going on behind this music? Cause you could hear it. I I love it. And I love I love how they give him room in this album. There's not mm-hmm. so much going on. He there's a lot of space between notes going on here but they do some creative things like in the opening track hand of god that Mm -hmm. there's not a real drum beat but there's still a rhythm and it's in the instrumentation and the way that it's doing it it feels driving in a lot of ways so there's there's a there's a motion to it there's a forwardness and a lot of times with nick cave stuff it's interesting he's he's such an interesting vocalist he alternates between singing and spoken word a Mm -hmm. lot of times there's, uh, <laughs> without getting too comical, the, the best way I can articulate it is a lot of times I have no idea what he's saying, but it feels like it's the most important thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I, I can see why you'd say that. Yeah. Like everything he does, I'm like, all right, I need to pay attention. He yeah. commands attention as a vocalist in such a unique way. Um, I am a big fan of their music, man. I, I, I love, there's a few things in this record that really stand out to me. Number one is, um, some almost repeating themes musically where it's this string sound that is, it's almost like it's being pulled down in notes. So, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, I think about like uh, the theme for like the dark night where right. the Joker theme where it's like that me and it's rising slowly. Yeah. This one's the opposite of that. I hear a lot of times where it's the, it'll start and it'll go meow. Yeah. In this kind of, and it's such a horrible impression. That sounds like a weird cat, but <laughs> I heard that in a few different tracks and I thought this is kind of cool. Um, some of the songs that I liked, I, uh, I really don't think there were many songs that I didn't care for on this. Uh, this mm-hmm. just really, this record blew me away. I had so much fun listening to it. Hand of God is the opener. It's a little bit of a bizarre opener. Mm-hmm. It's got this kind of chanting chorus where they just say hand of God over and over and over again, but it's, it's yeah. very like hand of God, hand yeah. of God. <laughs> um, it's a bizarre opener, but at the same time, it also really sets the tone for what's about to come for the rest of the record. Mm-hmm. There's um, the next song is old time, which has a really kind of cool driving, rhythm with some great strings involved third track carnage the self-titled track oh my god it's such a beautiful song 
I, I mean, just the melody of it, how they let it sit and simmer slowly. And his singing is fantastic. His almost feel like his voice cracks a few times while he's singing. And that just really adds to the emotion, the emotion that I'm feeling in this. Mm -hmm. Um, Carnage is fantastic. Beautiful lyrics in that one, the melody, the instrumentation, the kind of percussion that they have with, I guess it's shakers or something, which I know you're not a fan of. Um, (laughs) Other songs that are standouts to me, white elephant, which is really a very political sounding song is from as best as I can tell, but uh, white elephants, yeah, it's such a it's such a unique track because it's in two halves and the first half of it creates so much tension. Yeah. And then there's this really joyous cathartic movement at the end of it that almost feels like a gospel song. Yeah. <laughs> in some ways and he's matching that with his singing too. Um and then intermixed with that there's some weird fuzz guitar mm-hmm. happening that almost sounds like um uh, I love the fuzz guitar because it's, it's, I'm, I listen to it over and over. I'm like, what is going on with that? It almost sounds like crying in okay. the track. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the, it's this kind of, uh, it's, it's, it's a very human sounding fuzz guitar thing, but from a really primitive, primal kind of, Thing that comes out of you. Um, just such the details on this record uh, are just absolutely phenomenal to me. I loved almost every song on here. Albuquerque comes after that. I've never been, I've never been so sad for somebody not being able to go to New Mexico than I am listening to Albuquerque. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that song is about, but my goodness, just like I feel my heart just breaks for this guy because I'm like, just get the guy to Amsterdam, get the guy to Albuquerque. Like this, he's so sad. Like, why? Why won't anybody help him? What's the matter with you? And that's such a testament to how, even though there's some there's some ambiguity in the lyrics, um, this album just really set with me and and moved me in such a cool way. I think there's only one song that I thought was kind of just all right, and that's Shattered Ground, track seven. Mm-hmm. But even that, I wouldn't call it a weak link. I'm I'm gonna go all out with this one, man. I'm gonna give this five beards. It's my first five beer rating of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And that's just because I'm such a fan of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds um, and and his other projects, Grinder Man, which we'll we'll get we're gonna review Grinder Man <laughs> soon. Um, but my goodness, I didn't know what to expect with this record. I feel like it just completely blew me away and I didn't even know it was coming out. And that's so such a treat for me. Five, five beards all the way, hands down, two thumbs up. I want to hug him and tell him, thank you. (laughs) And and tell him everything's going to be okay. Okay. Um, And I've talked, I I do it real quick. I think I talked a lot about Nick cave in the part of it. Warren Mm. Ellis, my God, if he's, he's doing a lot of this instrumentation and stuff. Yeah. Guys, just a, he's so smart about where to play stuff and for being a classically trained violinist, he's so good at minimalism. Yes. And and I think that really shown through. So this is another thing reason why I love this record. So I'm gonna shut up and I'm gonna hear I want to hear what you have to say about um, Carnage. I had like I said, I never heard of Nick Cave or Warren Ellis before. First thing that stood out was his voice, just the uniqueness of his voice and how he delivers his spoken word and how he sings. To me the whole album felt like a soundtrack to a movie Mm -hmm. so on the first few listen throughs i kept getting like images in my mind and they wound up being absurd but they fit with the music (laughs) so okay okay (laughs) my 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 brain can go to really weird absurd places that's just how my brain works 
Hand of God up front. First, first listen through. I was like, what is this? I was trying to process what it was. Cause I'm like, I've never really heard anything like this before. And so then on the second listen through my brain, every time I read Nick cave, I thought Nick cage, which led me to, <laughs> <laughs> which gave me. So the, the, the second time I listened to it, I got this, this just image in my mind of Nicholas cage and John Travolta singing this song as a duet in the middle of the church in the film face off. <laughs> Fuck yeah. That's that's the and best like, thing I've ever heard would, in my life. I was like, this would fit that perfectly. And I was with like, you could doves. turn that shit movie into a musical. Exactly, with the doves and everything. So <laughs> that's such a horrible movie, but I'm like, this song could make that a bright spot in a horrible movie. Look, do like a a, a dark side of the moon wizard of oz thing with that and let's make exactly. it happen. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You start so, the album when the face comes off instead of at exactly. the third line. Yeah. <laughs> so uh uh, Hand of God, my favorite, so- my favorite song on the whole thing. I will say, um, this is some, this is music that I have to be in a mood to listen to. It didn't, it, it took me to the mood, but more so, I found like, okay, I have to be in the right place to listen to this to really be appreciate it. But yeah. the first two tracks, Hand of God and Old Time, my two favorite ones. Old Time, my brain went even crazier. I I wrote I wrote down what I was thinking when I listened to this. And so I'm going to read it cuz it's just I was like, I can't believe I wrote that, but this is kind of funny. So it's uh, old time. I got an impression of going on a road trip through Nevada or Arizona in an old uh-huh. pickup truck with no air conditioning and <laughs> listening to this song. Sooner or later the truck breaks down and you're stuck there. Until from behind some rolling tumbleweeds, Nick Cave and Warren Ellis walk up <laughs> holding a dead rattlesnake, singing this song, and they fix your truck with the dead rattlesnake before disappearing into the distance. No, I've never dropped acid. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, you- my brain just went to, like I said, it feels like a movie soundtrack. So for when I hear a song, my brain's tries to fill in like the gaps with imagery and so this yeah. this is the stuff that's coming but it like I I love the desert. I enjoy the desert, driving through the desert. It's fun. It's a beautiful place to be. Like I don't like being there for too long. Like if I get stay in the desert too long, I get kind of tired of it. I'm like, okay, I want some greenery and stuff like that. But like that took me to this place and I was like, dang, I would like to go back to the desert. It put me in that spot. It's so um, interesting because you touched on two things that I brought up earlier. That mm-hmm. me knowing the history of the group a little bit, you were still able to pick up on. And that is number one, the film score right. influence, which they've done a bunch of those. And number two, the fact that they're doing primarily a lot of Western film right. scores. Yeah. And that that there's a tone, there's a stylistic thing that you do with a lot of Western stuff uh, that kind of carries over. And the fact that you picked up on that without really knowing it. And was able to tap into that. I thought that that's really kind of cool, man. That's yeah. that tells me two things that number one, uh, you're a good music listener. And number two, <laughs> they're doing their job. They're yeah. they're effective in what I think they're setting out to do. Yeah. 
they they are very effective because I I had no idea about the westerns or the film score thing, but that's just what it felt like. And the thing that Warren Ellis really does is stand out to me is just his strings. It's simple, yeah, but it's beautiful. Even when it's dissonant, it's beautiful. I was just it, what he does is he just crafts something together, and then you know the vocals go on top of it, and it's done really really well. Uh, White Elephant also stood out to me. I like that song. The vocals totally give that song a weird vibe, but it's so good being mm-hmm. such a weird vibe. Uh, Albuquerque, I got another. My, I have family that lives in Albuquerque, and I have kind of like a love-hate relationship with Albuquerque because I like the desert. I like the mountains around there. I love my family, but if I'm there for more than 10 days, I'm like, I just got to get out of here. It's just not somewhere I want to stay long-term. Um, I wrote for this song another i had this like image of albuquerque in my mind and i wrote this song is a reflection of the city of albuquerque beautiful and interesting at first and then you get tired of it and you want to go somewhere that doesn't bake your skin and dry out your sinuses (laughs) so okay (laughs) (laughs) i also picked up on the like you know get this guy to amsterdam get this guy to albuquerque vibe but that Mm -hmm. was like the big strong thing from that song uh lavender fields just really gave the impression of like walking through fields of lavender like it's it's very beautiful very serene very peaceful it was it totally gave like in a theatrical way gave that image in my mind and put me in a place like that shadow ground and balcony man i didn't care for as much uh but hand of god old time and white elephant were the three standout tracks i gave it three and a half beards because i had i had to put myself in the right place to listen to this this isn't Mm -hmm. something i can just like pick up and listen to at work or whatever i feel like that's not a good enough rating for it but it, that is an honest assessment for me. I feel that's an honest reflection. Yeah. So I'm like, it's definitely above average. What they do is something t- like totally unique and special. But and and yeah, I just I could totally see the theatrical element. I, I feel like it deserves more. But you gave it five, and I totally see why. <laughs> this is right up your alley. It is a good record. If it's it's it uh, it'll take you places. I'll just put it that way. This music it will really take is you yeah. I and I and you know the the lavender fields reference that you made. I'd be curious, just like with Night Drive, when artists like this are coming up with these songs, do they tap into that? Well, this makes me feel like I'm walking through lavender fields, or right. is it? Hey, I like this combination of words together, lavender fields. Let me try to evoke that and be intentional about writing the music. So where, where does the, what's the inspiration for that? I'd be really curious to learn and find out about. I'm not mad that you gave it three beards because you're absolutely right. If you're, if you're casual, this, this is, um, it's a record that kind of commands attention mm-hmm. a little bit and, and commands some focus and, and some mindfulness while you're listening to it. And if you're not into that at the time, or if I'm having it on in the background, I'm going to miss a lot. Right. And I, I can see how in, for, for a lot of people listening to music who want to, and this is, I'm not saying this about you, but for a lot of casual music listeners, let's say, right. who just want something to chill to, or just to have something in the background, this would not be a good recommendation for that. This is, right. I want to sit down in a dark room with some headphones on and, 
you know, I would, if I, if man, if I was in college and I had my black light posters up still, like this would be, I would be all over this record. Yeah. <laughs> so that was what you picked. I picked the brand new album by raw intercorrupted. This album is just over a week old, came out last Friday. So a week ago, two days ago, um, I really didn't know what to expect from this. Okay. Because the first two, uh, Roz put out six albums. The first two ones were my favorites, and they had just always been my favorites. And so, not that I didn't like any of the other ones, but I felt like they were trying to experiment with other things, or they didn't experiment on enough on a couple of records. And I just felt like a f- couple of the records, while they were still pretty good, I, f- I felt like, like compared to the first two, I was like, okay, is this great music? Yes, this is great music. But compared to those first two, there was just something super special mm-hmm. about the first album from one, which we already reviewed a couple episodes ago, and then their mm-hmm. second album, Duality. Um, you know, the band is, you know, obviously every artist goes through their progressions and stuff. I still enjoy music, their music off of all their thing, all their records and everything. But with this one coming up, I had this like apprehension. I was like, I want this to be good, but I'm afraid I'm going to have these expectations that they can't live up to because not only has music changed over the past 20 years, because music has changed, especially rock music. Uh, the whole rock music scene is dying. And then also I've changed. Like I, my taste in music has broadened immensely from yeah. where I was when I first heard about these guys when I was like 22. So I was like, I need to be like objective and open-minded. Well, they released this and they shifted gears and started like, hey, let's try something new, which I wasn't expecting at all. So this album has a lot of like gen influence, guitar riffs in it and some drums. And they experiment not a whole lot, but a little bit with some electronic stuff, some synth and just a little enough electronic in there to break it up. Because straight on for the last several albums, they were just like straight a rock band, just like guitars, bass, drums, vocals. That was it. You know, maybe a little bit here or there, they'd throw in some strings or like Spanish guitar or something, but they mm-hmm. were just a standard rock band. So this came out. We reviewed Intercorrupted, which I love that song. I, I thought it was great to see that they were, you know, experimenting with, experimenting with some synth sounds, but I didn't expect it to bleed over into the rest of the record. Mm-hmm. Uh, Intercorrupted, you know, they have an intro just setting up Intercorrupted. I thought Intercorrupted is an interesting song because so many musical artists now are like wanting to like do their talk about their viewpoint of the state of the world. And I just thought that this song was interesting because it's talking about like the, just like the, the whole like social media phenomenon of like people just wind up attacking each other on social media. And the, his perspective is like, we all are intercorrupted. Every time we say something against someone else, you know, we have to really assess ourselves. Like, are we really in a right position? You know, mm-hmm. we're sitting here behind a screen thinking that we're justified to say whatever we want and making us right. And it's just an interesting, I was like, wow, that's a pretty interesting, you know, like we're all intercorrupted. We're not, not none of us is blameless. None of us has, has it all together. It's a cool play on words from interconnected. Right. Yeah. And so it's, and it's all how like social, it's, it's a very interesting concept for a song. So, 
Um, also, this album doesn't have very many of the Eastern like melodies influences that the first several albums had, which I always liked, but it's cool to see them depart from that and try something new. Mm-hmm. Intercorrupted is this great song. The pauses in that song just really stand out. Like They'll build the song, pause, build the chorus, pause, and it's just, and they're put in perfectly. It's a very well arranged song. It's very, very good. Then it goes into Let's Go to Mexico, which is just like a more traditional rock song. Really fun. It's the song that you like, you and your friends like sing, you know, you you're like, oh, it's like, I just felt like I was like, a, you know, a teenager again, you know, driving around California in a Volkswagen with my friends. And we're like, oh, this song's on. You just sing it. It's Let's like go a, to Mexico. You know, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> a party song, a, sing, a fun singing song. Very, very you know, uh, the driving guitars with the beautiful vocal melody and just a simple yet precise drum beat, like just brings the song together. It's very, very good. And then it comes to the next track, which is loud, very heavy hitter up front. And I gotta be honest, I, um, this song like kind of missed me the first several listen throughs. And I was like more interested in the next song. So, I listened to the rest of the latter half of the album a bunch because it caught me more. And then I came back to this and I was like, wow, there is a lot of quality in this song. There's, it's a the very unique, just fun, like guitar melody. When yeah. then he's singing over the top of it, it just becomes really, really infectious. And then it transitions with the bass and the drums into the verse and then until the chorus kicks back in. It's just a nice interplay between bridge and... And I'm sorry, bridge, chorus and verse. And then it comes to the bridge. And then the drummer does this like crazy fill between the bridge and the final chorus, which is just spectacular. I rewound that just to listen to that (laughs) fill probably like 20, 30 times. I was like, what is he doing? That is right. (laughs) Fast, fun fill. It's so much fun and it's so catchy. And it breaks up the song in such a spectacular way. Whereas like most, I feel like most rock songs, they would just do like a simple fill and then transition back in. But it it makes, it adds that little bit of like what I would call ear candy. It adds that little bit of like, ooh, that's really cool. That makes you listen to it again and again and again, rather than just do something standard. Uh, Loud is easily my favorite song on the the record. It's so good. Uh, Jezebel. Is the next one. It was the second single off the record. It came out a couple weeks ago. Uh, this song, Sehaj, the the primary songwriter and vocalist, he he always on every one of his albums, he has at least one or two songs that are about like heartbreak or a breakup. And this is that one for this album. It's done really well. It's so heavy. It's yeah. got. A, the, and this was I the really first like time. the like the rhythm guitar on this one a lot. Yes, me too. The, the they never really did a whole lot of like double kick bass in any of their music, and in this album they experimented with that more, and I really enjoyed it. It brought like an extra little bit of heaviness to the record, but it still balances out well with everything else. It's just like a great song about like you know heartbreak or like you know he's you know, this like uh he's like assessing himself. He's like what made me so weak to allow her to hurt me kind of a thing. Like I want to. He's like saying like he's he's, he's like very so much emotion in the song how he's like oh i want to take this weak part of me and just kill it so i don't you know let someone hurt me again it's just a a great like song i mean rock songs i don't know for some reason they're great about like breakup songs or something like that. <laughs> it's just a great like genre of music to at least for me that just you know tells that type of story um then it's uh, enough with dustin bates of star set um star set they're a good band they're not one of my favorites 
The I'm not familiar with them. They, I've heard them a few times before. They have some really good tracks. Uh, they try and do like mix like metal and gent with like electronic music. Okay. They don't always nail it. Sometimes okay. they do. Sometimes they don't. I think they they lean a little bit too much into the electronic side sometimes, and it doesn't work. And they need to like back off and go back and more into the metal. But that's just my opinion. I also think Dustin's bait, Dustin Bates' voice is always over overly polished. There's just it's too perfect every time I hear it, and I just I'm not a fan of that. He's a great singer, but I want to hear more like raspiness and rawness. Every time I'm just like they just polished every imperfection out of his voice, and it's too mm-hmm. perfect. I just I just hear that, and I'm like, mm, okay, a little too much pitch correction going on in the studio. Exactly. Yeah. And they, uh, so this song, it's like a ballad. It's a it's a decent song, not one of my favorites, not a bad song, but it, it the melody of the chorus did get stuck in my head throughout the week, but I did feel like the album really started to build and it got to Jezebel and then it let down a little bit. It's not not bad, it's just not what I was hoping for. Mm. And so, I mean that's just my honest opinion. Divided extremely fun song. I woke up. This song was stuck in my head. This, this is, this is my opinion. That's the best one on the record divided. It's such a good song. That's, that's <laughs> my favorite track on the record out of all of them. Yeah. It's like I said, I went to bed last night and it was stuck in my head. I woke up and it was still stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was like, Oh, it's just, it's so catchy. And, uh, it's one of my favorites too. Uh, nobody loves you with, uh, the guy from seven dust, Another ballad song with another vocal track. I felt like it was better than Enough with Dustin Bates. Not one of my favorites on the album, but still a good song. Uh, so, so then that comes to Let It Lie. Uh, so the day this album came out, I you know, got up at like 6 o'clock in the morning, turned this on because I was like, oh, the new Raw album's out. While I'm eating breakfast, I want to listen to this. So... When the heavy part in the chorus comes in, or the sorry, on the verse comes in, there's this like gent inspired guitar yep. riff that's super heavy, super good. And it came on and I just made the stank face. I was just like, ooh, <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah. good. Yeah, there's a few so times there's a few this- times on that song where I was like, ooh, just yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like, and that's that's exactly. the stank face where you go, mm, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I, I listened to it and I was like, oh my gosh, this song is so good. So it finished up and Kat was here and she's like, play that again. Ah! <laughs> so I was like, okay, I know this is an excellent song. Played it again. And then later on that day, she sent me messages. She's like, that song from this morning is stuck in my head. It's so good. It's it's such a catchy song. Uh, that, I feel like that's the one out of every track on here that I would want to see them do live. Yeah more than anything else. I wanted I would want to see them do that and a couple of other ones. I want to see them do uh loud and I want to see them do I can't go on. The couple one next from this. It's basically three of the heaviest ones. Yeah. Uh, blind Blind to the Light is uh next. It's a like an acoustic he always has at least one or two acoustic and clean songs to kind of break it up. Blind to Light quality quality track, very fun. It's very catchy and unique, and the bridge is like the high point of the song for me. I just like how it builds to the bridge. It's just a beautiful, well-put-together, well-written song. So then it comes to I Can't Go On. And when I first heard this, I was not expecting like a heavy song. It's got that like 
slightly distorted guitar, but it's like that kind of melodic thing. And I was like, oh, this is going to be like a, a rock song. And then it just comes in and like it punches you in the face with heavy. Changes gears. Yeah, <laughs> really fast. <laughs> and it's just, and it's heavy and fast. And, and you just, oh, it's so good. And with the double kick coming in there, just like kicking you, it's so good. It's such a good interplay between his melodic vocals and just like heavy gent guitar riffs. Mm-hmm. It's very fun. It's one of my favorites. And I want to hear I want to see them do this song live too. Um Yeah, yeah, I would want to see that. It's it's so good. Uh two more tracks, Till You Die, another good uplifting song. I like the the message of it is just like there's Basically, you know, if you're if you're you're not working hard, you're not struggling. Like life is best when you're working towards something. Like it's just a great song, and like always keep fighting, always keep working to better your life, better yourself. Very uplifting, very positive, very happy song. I love it. I love the message of that song. Very inspiring. And then it comes to the final song, "Somewhere Beautiful." Uh, Sahaj always tends to end his albums with a power ballad. Mm-hmm. And this is one of my favorites that he's ever written. Uh, the guitar solo at the end is just simple yet tasteful. I also love the addition of the synth in the first verse before the heavy part hits. It's just a very well put together power ballad. It's it his albums always like have this like structure to them, and they always very very similar. Uh, I couldn't I couldn't get enough of that, especially the guitar the guitar at the end, the solo. It's really really catchy. Um, speaking of live, so they had like a CD release show, but they did it online. Uh, um, since you know, there's no live shows right now yeah. and it was 10 or bucks. CDs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was 10 bucks and you could, you know, watch their live performance from the Sweetwater studios in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Oh, cool. And I paid it. And so now it is, uh, I paid for it and I watched it and it is so good. That's one thing I remember because I saw them live like 20 years ago and these guys are precise. They are some of the best musicians I've ever seen. And I was like, I wonder if they're still the same when they played intercorrupted, uh, cat was watching it with me and she was like, wow. She's like, they fall. It, it sounds like you're listening to the record. It, they're mm-hmm. so they're just so on. Everything looks effortless. Sahaj is hitting all those insane high notes that you're like, how is this possible? It's just so if you like if you like raw, if you like this music, I definitely recommend going to rawband.net and watching the live performance. They play stuff from all of their albums. It's incredibly good. I've always enjoyed watching them live. Now I'm like, they better start this quarantine shit better end because I want to see them live again. <laughs> like I, like I really do. I do like that a lot of bands are doing that now. They're 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 doing these live performances. They're filming it and they're taping it, but mm-hmm. you can purchase it and it's it's a virtual concert uh, right. to that degree. Last week when we were reviewing Mr. Bungle, Mr. Bungle had done one of those at their Ooh. high school library for the uh-huh. Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny demo. And one of the things that I thought was really funny was they they Everybody, I think all bands know there's no audience. It's right. like, so how do you address that, right? Right. And what they would do is they would cut to where the audience was, and it would just be like just Henry Rollins, and he'd be like, "Yeah, sounds good. All right." <laughs> <laughs> uh, in this one, they got to a part. 
in one of the songs from one of their other albums. And he's like, everybody, he's like, but he puts his hands in his pocket. He says, start clapping. He's like, yes, this is stupid. He's like, you're by yourself <laughs> at home watching this. He's like, do yeah. it anyway. He's like, come on. He's like, you'll think you'll feel stupid, but I'll appreciate it. It was so funny. I love <laughs> and that. He's like, now oh, double cool. time. And he starts clapping double time. <laughs> It cracked me up because I was like, okay, they're really trying to like keep the audience engaged even though nobody's there. Man, good for them though. That that's I hats off. I love when when people do that. And it, it, they kind of acknowledge the the hurdle that they're trying to jump over. Right. The silliness, the uncomfortability of it, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Right. That's I love that. I absolutely love that. That's so fun. It was it was great. I, I've already watched it twice. It would be great if he had the, like days. the mic and he was like holding it out for them to sing the chorus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> that would take it. That would take it to the next level. Uh, so I love this album. My favorite tracks are "Loud," "I Can't Go On," "Intercorrupted," "Let It Lie," uh, "Jezebel," and "Somewhere Beautiful." I couldn't pick between a uh, top three between those. They're just I love them all. Uh, four and a half beards for me. Nice. I would have given it five, but with the two the the two like ballads with Seven Dust and Star Set, they just they weren't bad. It just wasn't as good as I felt like it could be. It was just I was like, okay, these are okay. So I was like, I I was like, I can't give it a five. Okay, yeah. Not that I didn't appreciate it. It was just I felt like those two. Not that they're bad songs, but if they took those out of the record, yeah, I would shorten up the record a little bit, but I feel like it would be a better record overall just without those two tracks. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion, but I, if, if, that, if that album didn't have those two tracks, I would have given it a five, hands down. Something new from one of my favorite artists, something different, they're trying new things, and now I, they, I hope they go on tour because I want to go see them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, dude, I'll be right there with you, clapping in person. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Finally giving them what they want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what do you, what were your thoughts? Um, okay. When we reviewed Intercorrupted for the Sniggle, right. the first time listening to it, I think I made the reference where it sounded like heavy metal Coldplay with uh-huh. the kind of sing-along chorus of it. What's really funny is this time around, getting into it in the context of the record, a few things stood out to me. The first of which being you, when we reviewed from one, mm-hmm. you mentioned that their singer and primary songwriter, I forget it's Siobhan. Is that his name? Sahaj. Sa- wow. I was way off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> God damn. Savan, that's funny. I mean, that was, that's a big swing and a miss. Siobhan is what I said. That was okay. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> when you told me that he's a big fan of the police mm-hmm. and Sting's style of singing in particular, I, I remember saying on our first podcast when we did From One, I said, okay, I don't quite hear that. I heard more mm-hmm. of the Queensryche kind of style. Right. This record, I don't know if it's because you told me that or not, but I hear Sting everywhere. All over the vocals. When I listened to Inner Corrupted this time and a couple of other tracks, and here's the connection that I made. It reminded me of when Bruno Mars wrote Locked Out of Heaven, which to me is the best police song that the police never made. Mm -hmm. And 
there's a lot of, uh, and then I, uh, so because Bruno Mars to me sounded a lot like Sting and the Police in that song, and this one I went, oh, my first instinct was, oh, this sounds like Bruno Mars a little bit. Like there's some there's some pop in there. There's some pop mm-hmm. influence, and then I went, well, hold on, okay, Mark the Police, da da da, and I kind of mentally connected the dots. Once I did that, my God, I just yeah, I heard Sting everywhere on this record. I do think there's a lot more pop influence on this record from not only mm-hmm. some of the stuff in Intercorrupted, some of the melodies that he's choosing, but let's go to Mexico. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a 311 and Incubus song just yeah. modernized all the way. Yes. It's it's right up there with those. And and I I I had mixed feelings about that one. Um overall the record gets a lot better in the second half mm-hmm. than in the first half. And I really like the second half. The songs that I love on this record, I really liked a lot. And I want to continue to listen to a lot. The songs that I didn't like, it wasn't that they were just meh. I kind of actively didn't like them. Okay. <laughs> and those are intro. I thought the intro just didn't really service anything. I don't yeah. like the spoken like part at the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it took me out of the mood instead of putting me into the mood like I was hoping. Excuse me. So the intro I thought was okay, but then Intercorrupted comes out. That's one of the better songs on there. Um, mm-hmm. Jezebel was like a weird one for me because I was so on board with it until the Dear John letter part. <laughs> Once again, the spoken word. <laughs> and it was that. And I, I'm not gonna lie, it it kind of it kind of killed that one for me a little bit. It took me out mm-hmm. of it. The Seven Dust song, I don't know why I was expecting a little bit more from Seven Dust. I've never been a big Seven Dust fan, but I've seen mm-hmm. them live and I really enjoyed watching them live. And I was hopeful that they would bring a little something extra to the table, but that one just that was a dud. Yeah. So you know, aside from like intro, let's go to Mexico. Nobody loves you. Once I got past those and started to get into divided, let it lie, blind mm-hmm. to the light, can't go on. The, everything really started to pick up for me a lot. Ultimately, I'm going to give it three. Okay. I'm going to give it three beards just because I want, I, I, it's a little too poppy for me. A little too uh-huh. pop driven, a little too, a little too catchy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like the gin influence. Like you were talking about. I really liked mm-hmm. the songs that I liked the, the five or six that I said out of 13, those yeah. five or six are going to be in a heavy rotation. I'm going to continue to go back to those. I just yeah. don't like that. I'm going to want to skip through a lot of the tracks to get to the back half to of the those record. ones. Yeah. Right. That's fair. Yeah. Like I said, it's not, it's not a perfect album. I gave it four and a half, but those two, those two. It's no Nick Cave. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, That was the one thing. Reviewing these two together was kind of a challenge because they're so vastly different from each other. Yeah. We've been doing a good job of picking stuff that's similar week after week a little right. bit and, and yeah. or, or at least kind of coming from the same place. I, I, I had fun with that though. I had fun bouncing between two very different yeah. genres yeah. and going, okay, hang on. I got to, ch- I got to switch gears yeah. here. I got to get, <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> where am I at? Because I would go, I would, I would alternate. I would listen to Carnage and then go to mm-hmm. Intercorrupted, and then I would go mm-hmm. like maybe the next day I would listen to Intercorrupted first and then go into Carnage. And I would, I mean, but it was always back to back, one or the other, and mm-hmm. there couldn't be a more stark difference in oh, these yeah. records, <laughs> just top to bottom. That's such. That's wonderful. I love it. It's one of my yeah. favorite things about music and doing yeah. that. But you're right. That can sometimes make it a little bit different. It's like ordering. <laughs> it's like having two different styles of food, like back to back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's like alternating between like a Snickers bar and like sashimi. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say you're having like big, heavy, like Mexican combo plate. And then, well, let's go get sashimi after. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, these two things don't really go together. This shouldn't go together. And, and like if they toured together, I would be just confounded. I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I enjoyed I really liked, um, I liked both records. I liked them all. I wouldn't say that I, I disliked raw by any stretch. It's above average for me for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I want to end on a positive note. So the songs that I really liked divided, uh, let it lie or let it's lie. I think it's the name of it. Mm-hmm. No, let it lie blind to light. Can't go on. Those Great. are, those are hard hitting tracks. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, though I don't know. I I'm gonna get away from rock this week. We did I did rock two weeks in a row, so I'm gonna do something totally different this coming week. Uh, I'm gonna pick the album Full Circle by Halos. Oh, cool. Okay, I didn't know they had a new so, record. No, this isn't new. This is is that the old one? Is that the one that has the two um, circles like kind of meeting in the uh-huh. middle of the cover? Okay, I'm familiar with this record. I'm going to go back to this. Fun. <laughs> I know this one. So I, I haven't it. listened. I like Elf. I haven't I listened him. to this. <laughs> I haven't listened to this in a while. I've listened to maybe like a couple tracks, but I was like, let's do something totally different, something more chill. This is more electronic trip hop kind of stuff. This is going to be something different. So I, I was wrong about just... the cover. I just looked at it. It's just one circle. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was thinking of something different. Okay. Well, I wanted to pick something different and keep the, you know, I want to keep giving the listeners out there different kinds of music because not everybody's going to be into rock all the time. So Just a little bit of variety. Yeah. Exactly. And I have a broad taste in music, so I'm like, "Hey, let's keep it interesting." What'd you pick? Heck yeah. Um, I'm I'm going to go right back to the well. We did the Mr. Bungle Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny demo the mm-hmm. week before and Mike Patton's other one of his dozens of other bands tomahawk just released as of friday a new album called tonic immobility um and i I gotta tell you i've been through this once already i listened to it yesterday when i was doing work outside i had my headphones on and this is a this is a dirty heavy (laughs) record that i am so i have a feeling I am just going to dig into this one and never look back. Uh, it's cool. going to be, it's going to be turning into, I'm going to go down. I'm going to go down. You know, sometimes you listen to a band or, a, or an album and you're like, Oh, that's it. Now I just have to listen to this type of music forever. And then exactly. you go through like six months <laughs> of your life where that's all you listen to. Um, yeah. this, this is, this is going to get me into that. So there's uh, you and I have talked a little bit before there's, there's a genre that Chuck Eddie, the music critic, for Rolling Stone, he was kind of independent, coined as pig fuck. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the name of the genre is pig fuck. This. And pig fuck is, 
especially gnarly sounding, gross, dirty, heavy, unmelodic (laughs) music. And Tomahawk made a really terrific album that's very accessible version of that. But for me personally, I think it's going to open Pandora's box and I'm just going <laughs> go to go listen to all that kind of stuff. And Dwayne Dennison, the guitar player from Tomahawk was in a pan that um, was in that genre. It was the Jesus lizard. So mm-hmm. I, there's, there's a reason for that and why I want to make that connection. So we're going to do Tomahawk tonic immobility and halos full circle. Yeah, Full circle. Yeah. Excellent. So another contrast, couple more contrasting albums. It is, but this will be a good reprieve. I I feel like the Halos record will serve as a nice counterbalance Mm -hmm. to the Tomahawk record, and so I almost want to make sure I prioritize it in that mind because it's gonna it's gonna help me uh, calm down. (laughs) It's gonna help my heart rate go down a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, this it's uh the Halos is more of like a relaxing, chill style music. So it is. I if I if I'm thinking of the one I'm thinking of, I really liked that record the first go round. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's a good one. So yeah. So, uh, real quick before we go, where can people find you on Instagram, Dan? Dwight privilege. And you can find me on Instagram at Mr. Underscore pockets. You can also send us an email at wherepod at gmail.com. So that's it for this week. Thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>